0: Uh, if you are visiting here today, uh, then it's uh, thank you ever so much for being here. You're more than welcome. Please do uh, stay afterwards. We've got some mince pies and mulled wine and coffee and biscuits and those sort of things. My name is uh, uh, Nigel Lloyd, and I am the the pastor of the of Gateway Church, uh, Wrexham. And uh, I just want to say, uh, from that position, if I may. I'd like to just thank all those that were involved in making uh, Friday evening uh, an absolutely howler of a success. Now, if you were involved in serving, music, lighting, baking, inviting, or being, from my, my point of view, I just want to say thank you so much. And I want just can you applaud yourselves? That would be wonderful. You, well done, guys. Uh, whether, whatever you did, uh, you were involved in a great job. And uh, I know at late at night, I did, so, I did try and stick a thank you uh, on Facebook. But, uh, so if you went to bed and you missed it, I'm very sorry, but I just want to say thank you. It was just interesting, just being a, an observer uh, in regard to uh, the university here. Um, Hayden said uh, that they have lots of people that come and go. And he said, we uh, not only, uh, we didn't just walk out, we packed everything away, we cleaned everything up. And he, he, ju- he just said in passing, uh, although we have our difficulties, that we are one of the best bunch that they have in the university. And that is because what we do when we go is that we leave it better than we got it when we had it in the first place. And, and I just want to say to you, that is what a Christian means, guys. That is exactly it. And that is what it means to them. So they they notice that. And I just think when I hear that sort of stuff, it just I just think I'm really proud of you guys. So I just want to say that to you on that night. Not tonight, because you'll all walk out now and not care for a fig. But I just want to say, well done. I was really proud to be able to... Uh, to lead the church and to be able to say, No, these were my people. So I was really pleased for that. So I even put a slot. Have you found it, Andrew? This is uh, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. It says there, uh, For to us a child is born, uh, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The book of Isaiah, uh, if you don't know this, is found in the Old Testament. And it is a book that describes a vision. A vision that is given from God to the prophet Isaiah or to the man Isaiah who would prophesy, who would speak the words of God. He would speak it to a nation. It's an extraordinary prophecy because actually it was given to him over something like 25 to 30 years. So when you're reading the book of uh, Isaiah, you have to think of it in in a longer term that we can read. So you can read it quicker than it was actually given. So, just so, so any of the prophetic people amongst you, uh, amongst us this evening, you haven't he- stopped hearing from, from the Lord yet. It's a lifetime of hearing from God and communicating. Uh, we're around uh, 739 to 701 BC. That's where we are right now. So, we're a long way before Jesus. We're, we're ages, if you like. Let's put it uh, like that. Theologians dispute these dates, but I don't care a fig, let them dispute it. Um, It doesn't matter whether you want to, and it's interesting, they dispute it between five and ten years. Get a life, guys. Come on. What is true about the time that this prophecy was written is that there were two great nations vying for supremacy. So you've got the Uh, The nation of Assyria. Now, when you hear about Assyria in history, I want you to think about a ruthless and violent people. So, when you just read it in your Bible, and the Assyrians came to town, I want you to think that that would have meant that everybody else left because they were the nation that did not take anybody captive. That they were absolutely ruthless. They were the ones that didn't only kill adults, they killed women, children, and they would have done it slowly and publicly. Then on the other side was the Babylonians. Now the Babylonians were coming. They had a different approach uh, to how they would attack a nation. They would go get people and want them to serve in their nation. So you've got these people. And if you are in the middle of that, which Judah and Israel was, here's the thing. Well, if the Babylonians come, we could end up somewhere else. If the Assyrians come, we could end up dead. That's the pressure that he's under. And the prophet Isaiah is speaking on behalf of God. And what he's doing is that he's warning them about Assyria and Babylon. And he's also telling them that it's time, therefore, to get their house in order. Because the question is, is is Assyria coming or Babylon coming? Is that the judgment of the Lord? Because these people as a nation were not following the Lord. So he was prophesying, look, get your house in order. And the reason he was wanting them to get their house in order is that he believed that God had got a future for them. That God wanted to use them, speak to them, and help them. Which was, which was what the purpose of the message was. Isaiah's name means Yahweh saves. Or Yahweh has brought salvation. Now they would know that. It's sort of like you know somebody that you and I would know. So you would think that when Isaiah prophesies and comes to speak to the big guns and says, I have a message from the Lord, and they, look, they go, oh, this is the man that is God who brings salvation, that you would listen to him, wouldn't you? You'd think that this was the guy that was standing in front of you that had bought God's message. The truth was that although his name was Yahweh saves or Yahweh has brought salvation and although that he was bringing a message from God that was about salvation that actually the the people struggled to hear him it was almost as if look the name and the message and they and they sort of went oh, all right then and I, it was interesting that i find it interesting that that for 66 chapters it sort of Going through this whole scenario, the good thing is that in the end, that the Lord does save. But I do find that the interesting thing about this is that I believe that the people that were listening to Isaiah is no different to the people today. Actually, if Isaiah stood before us today with the name of said, I have a message about salvation from God, there would still be people that would ignore it. And I just want to say to you this look I am not the prophet of Isaiah I certainly am not I don't have the caliber or the capacity or the anointing of the man Isaiah Isaiah but I I also do have this I have a message of salvation that you should hear please don't be at Christmas time like these people hear the message of salvation So we come into chapter 9, which is where we are. And the context is a prophecy from God about how God will save them. And Isaiah says to these people, a light will come and shine into your darkness. It's a lovely, tender thing. He says, I will relieve you from the shadow of death. You'd think they'd take it up, wouldn't you? I will relieve you. From the consequence of death You'd think they'd all come running at this point wouldn't you? He says to them I will change the situation that you are living in And it will become joyful And you will rejoice if you follow me So you'd go Assyria Babylon Joy Rejoicing No Babylon and Assyria these are the better. And that is almost what happens to them. They do this. He says this very tenderly. He said, I, the God will remove the burdensome yoke from them. You think, yeah. And he says this. He says, I will also break the taskmaster. You'd think by now they'd go, yeah, we want this. We really want this. We, this is something that we want. It says that I will bring relief. In the end, he has to say it. He says, I will bring relief from the might of the Assyrians. And still, still, they don't hear. You'd think, mad people. But we're mad people, aren't we? The words here go on. And it says that the rescue will come through a born child, through a son given. And the words that are used in those two words, the the son given, they actually mean that a king will give birth, as it were, to a son and give that son in terms of rescue. So a king will give up his son and come and rescue this. So now they're looking and expecting for a child that will save them. They not only know the consequence of that salvation, they now know how it will come. A child will come, a son will come. This will bring rescue. It's the same rescue, folks. Same rescue. The son. So that's the the background. But it says this, doesn't it? It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The prophet Isaiah is prophesying about the birth of Jesus and telling the people the reason why God will send his son. God will send his son as a gift to humanity. I am giving you a son. No, I am giving you not a son. I'm giving you my only son as a gift to humanity i think it was mick that prayed about christmas songs and i was off into wizard and slade at the you know just where my mind was going and i wish it could be christmas every you know all that's and well you you know all you lot the religious lot said no i wasn't singing that (laughs) lying lot but i was (laughs) i was just thinking about it you know What what will I get from Christmas this year? Well, I actually, potentially, have got a new son-in-law. Which means that I get more presents this year. (laughs) And Christmas morning, I will be there anticipating this magnificent gift. And he wants to marry my daughter. If this gift does not stir up, (laughs) there will be no marriage. (laughs) Just to help him, the shops are not closed today. And rather than take of the mulled wine, I advise that he flees and that on Christmas morning, that I am standing in delight. (laughs) He thinks I am joking. (laughs) Whether you are a Christian or whether you are not, whether you walk out from this place today Exactly the same way as you came in, hear this: that you have been given a gift. Whether you reject that gift, ignore that gift, is irrelevant. That God has given you a gift. For to you, for to us, a son is given. It's up to you whether you take that up or not, but that's the fact of it: it's been given. So when John 3:16 says, "For God so loved the world that He gave," the giving of God's sending and the giving of God's sending His Son to the earth was because of a mission to die. I just find it's amazing that God should give me a gift. What have I deserved from God? What do I merit from God? But He's given me. I just think, his son, it's amazing. It's a million times more amazing. There's something. What if if I were to say to my new son-in-law, there's something that I want you to do for me, Tim. Means that you are now my son-in-law. I have some enemies that deserve to perish, Tim. And I want you to go and die in their place as my new son-in-law. So that they can have eternal life. Whatever you know about God and whatever you know about yourself, make sure that that is the God that you know. That God gave you a gift, gave up his son to die in your place so that you could have eternal life. It's a governing child and a governing son. How will the child, how will the son save his people? The prophet Isaiah helps us. It says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and he will bear, which means he will bear the burden of responsibility. The place, the responsibility of saving us will be placed upon his shoulders. That's what that verse means. I love Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where it says, therefore since we are surrounded by So great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings us so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He placed the responsibility of our sin upon his shoulders and he endured the cross with, as the writer says, with its pain and with its shame, taking upon it the anger of God and the sin of man and died in our place. Why? For the joy that was set before him. For the joy that was set. Wow. I am his joy. I am his joy. You are his joy. It wasn't one of those things, you know, where the father got him by the thing and said, you will die. He willingly died because he had a joy that was before him. You. (laughs) Extraordinary. And he will be called. We're on the, he will be called. I love these verses because it's not just what he will be called. It's the title that he, and, and the effect that he brings into our lives. It isn't just that I have Jesus as my saviour. It is that he brings stuff with him that affects my life and changes my life and shapes my life and affects my life. So when he comes, he comes with this wonderful thing of being a wonderful counsellor. Would you like to know the real meaning of this? I love this. The real meaning of wonderful counsel is a wonder of a counselor. That means when you go to him for advice, you go, flipping heck. Struth. That's what Midlanders say, okay? And here's the di- Look, if we follow him, if we listen to him, if we read his word, we get his wisdom. No, we get his wonderful wisdom. Which means quite simple, he has and always will have the best advice for your life. No, the pastor doesn't. No, your friend doesn't. He does. He does. Whether it's in the past or the present or the future, he has the best advice for your life. The best counsel for your advice. I felt very struck this morning. I woke up and the prophetic word that I gave, I just went into the back room. It says rather holy, as it were, the where my computer is. And I felt God speak to me, particularly about the bit about the stable and, the, and all that sort of stuff. Do you remember that? Now you've forgotten it now. And I just felt... Here is this wonderful counsellor, and he's trying to sort of say to you that actually many of you are shaped by by stables. Many of you are shaped by adulation, and he wants to release you from... That is great counsel. It's not Nigel, good word, Nigel. No, great word, God. Great word, God. He's a wonderful counsellor. What is a Christian? A Christian is one who agrees with the wisdom of God in their life. I submit to that wisdom. I say, No, you are wiser than me. Stubborn person. That's what it means to become a Christian. I, Jesus humbled himself before his Father. We humble ourselves. No, we say, Actually, Jesus, you are cleverer than me. Do you know that takes a big leap from people? Because generally we're proud. That's what it does. That's what it means when we follow Jesus. We, we say, okay, I'm going to follow now what he says. Not what I think, but the way that he says. He's also mighty God. There are some debates by clever theologians over the words used here. And the debate is to do with the view of re- reverence. So shall we be controversial? Pour out the mulled wine now. Let's be Controversial. Mighty God is a reference to a deity that can also be translated great hero. And the debate is, is Jesus a mighty God? Yes. The Bible tells us that word became flesh and all that sort of stuff. The incarnation, the infleshing of God. That's mighty God. Or is he the great hero? Well, sometimes you do wonder whether theologians just get themselves in a huge mess, don't you? Because for me, this is simple. He is a mighty God. He does mighty acts. In the last few weeks here, we've seen three people miraculously healed. That's mighty God. Is he a hero? Is he the great hero? Yes. He, not only is he mighty God, but he's my great hero. Why can't he be both? Why can't he be both? Why can't Jesus be my hero as well as mighty God? I believe that he can be. Here's this wonderful thing about him being mighty God. I love things like the psalmist who just brings it down to basic stuff. 84 verse 5. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. The might comes to be a part of our lives. That's what God does. He brings it into our lives. We think, hello, that was God. He is everlasting father. What does that mean? It means br- Jesus brings with him everlasting fatherhood. What sort of father is he? He is perfectly eternal. Why is this, imp- why is this description important to, to us? Because everyone has an, uh, an earthly father and everyone knows the ups and downs of an earthly father. Beans that I've embarrassed my son-in-law. It's been my birthday this week. I know that you're a little late in, you know, the cards and the presents and that sort of stuff. And I know it's been Christmas, but we'll give you a few days yet, it's okay. A little bit of grace. This is my birthday card uh, from the other half of of the, the marriage duo, okay? So this is it. And what it says in here, it says this. And you'll find every card like this is Rachel Red yet. Is it not, yet? not yet okay she will be in a little while i won't read you what she's written but it says in the card it says there is no dad better than you thank you for everything that you do for me lots of love and i understand the 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 sentiment of that but actually before her and before you i want to tell you this that i am not a perfect dad I want to tell you that both of my children, I have let them down badly. I want you to know that I have failed as a father. That there have been times that, that I regret the things that I've said and regret the things that I've done. And some of those things I will live with for the rest of my life and that I am embarrassed. I know as a child, with them sometimes I've had to have those moments where I've had to stand in front of both my children and say to them, Daddy was wrong. Because we live in a day where we have a fallen world where in the context of family, there are fallen fathers. My own situation in regard to my father is that you've probably heard me say this so many times that my, my father to me was old because we lost some children. So dad, did nev- he never played with me like other dads did. He was just old. He was just too old to play. I've not forgotten that, you know. It's quite, even today I've not forgotten with that. Dads, play with your children, please. They grow up quite quickly. And most of us know, most of us know the ups and downs of a father in our life. Most of us know that. And there are casualties from fatherhood. Whether we are the one bringing it or whether we're the one receiving it, there are casualties from fathers. And in this room today, there are casualties of fatherhood. How do we resolve this issue? How do we resolve the issue of fatherhood? Well, what we do is we grab the fathers and we put them on parenting courses and all that sort of stuff and still they fail. And still, as, as, as I grow old, I will fail my children. I don't mean to. I don't want to. I will. I am an imperfect father in an imperfect world. And God says in Psalm 68 verse 5 that I have come to be a father to the fatherless. So I come and I bring to you perfect care. Perfect protection, perfect discipline, perfect love. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. One of the ideas of being brought into the kingdom is so that we will have a perfect father. I want you to know this this morning that you have a perfect father in heaven that his fathering is perfect. He will father you not only now, but into eternity. He will not let you down. He is also, finally, the Prince of Peace. Jesus brings peace. He establishes peace. The first thing that he brings is peace with God. If you do not know Jesus as your Saviour and your Lord, you do not have peace with God. That's just the way that the Bible describes it. But through him, through the cross, you can be reconciled to God. At the moment, sin separates you from God. And Jesus deals with it perfectly, deals with their sin on the cross. His sacrifice is accepted. The barrier between God and man is removed. And we are no longer enemies with God. Jesus brings peace to us and God. It's wonderful. That's, it's, it's the way that we can come. We can come knowing. That's why when the writer to the Hebrews tells us to come into God's presence, he says, you can come, what? Boldly. With confidence. How can you come with that? Because Jesus has done, he's dealt with the issue. So we have peace with God. So when we call out to God, we can, we're calling out to him knowing that he will incline his ear towards us because the barrier has been broken down. He hears us. But there's also the biblical peace. The state of what might be described biblically as tranquility, quiet, calm, a state of security, of being, of feeling secure. All of those sort of things. Jesus in his last discourse with his disciples before his crucifixion said to them, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Think about that at the point that he was saying that to them. He was about to go to the cross. He was about to leave them. He was about to leave them in, in a, a, a world where everybody had turned against them. Once the crowd followed them, now the crowd were buying for them, vying for them. Now they wanted to crucify him. Now they were after him. Peter would deny him when people said, are you a follower of Jesus? He went, no. Why did he do that? Because the crowd were pressing in against him. And Jesus turns to them, he says, by the way, your peace I leave to you. Your peace I give to you. What he was saying was, there is a supernatural tranquility and calm and security that can come in the midst of life's events that is supernatural and is given to us that we can go through our own crucifixion as it were and our own state of crucifixion and we can know something from God and it can calm our hearts and bring a sense of peace into our lives even though there is a storm going on that's why when Jesus was in the boat and the storm was raging and the disciples were panicking he didn't have a problem with it only they had a problem with it and he could bring this to us not only can he bring us peace with God he can bring this to us you go oh and many of you will know that let me bring an ending to this We can sum this up and say by going back to the first description. And that is this, wonderful. Wonderful. It is more wonderful to know than it is to just hear, guys. Don't just hear me, know it. It's wonderful to know Jesus. It really is wonderful. And if you do not know it, or things have just crept in your life that are hindering you and finding you from following Jesus, I want to invite you this morning to come again and experience a wonderful Jesus. Not just Jesus, but a wonderful Jesus. Find out why his name is called Wonderful. Find out why even at Christmas that you can know him as Wonderful. I want to give you some options to help you, but if the band could come back. <coughs> These are three options to help you. Because all preachers have to have three points, and I didn't have three, so we have to finish with three. If you think you would like to know more about Jesus, but you'd just like something to pray with you, rather than talk in your ear roll, you can do that, by asking the person that has brought you this morning and saying to them, would you, find, would you either pray with me or would you find somebody to pray with me? That's option one. I just want you to pray with me about this. Don't need to ram the gospel down my throat. Just pray with me. That's option one. They can pray with you or they can find somebody. Or, What I'd like to do is that I'd like to secretly have a look at this at another stage without the preacher staring at me because I know all the way through this sermon, he's just been looking at me. He thinks he knows everything about me. Um, I don't. I haven't got my glasses on. I can't see a thing. But there are on that table over there a bunch of booklets about the message of Christmas. Christmas. On us as a church, you can take one. You can be extravagant and take the full 199 one. Or if you are feeling that you would like to be humble, and you can take the full 50p one. So according to your state of mind, take the 199 or the 50p. They're both free. Thirdly, if you would like to receive Jesus into your life and follow him for the rest of your life, then please stop me and I would love to be involved in leading you to Jesus. And I would prefer that than a glass of mulled wine. Come and seek me out. I would love to be privileged in doing that. We're going to sing our last hymn. It's O Come All Ye Faithful.